Okay, everybody, Doug Solo in the studio, uh, here to say a few words about 2019's documentary Apollo 11. Uh, Peter and I obviously have a long-standing interest in the space program. We've talked about, in this podcast, um, The Right Stuff and Apollo 13, and um, we've also talked about First Man. Um, those of you who are maybe new to the podcast may not know that Peter and I also have just uh, produced a 12-episode retrospective series on the entire Apollo program that is built around the HBO miniseries From the Earth to the Moon, so feel free to check that out as well. Um, it's called From the Earth to the Moon, a retrospective podcast. But uh, this is a uh, documentary, again, by uh, Todd Douglas Miller, the director, came out in 2019 that focuses exclusively on the flight of Apollo 11. Um, when I say exclusively on the flight of Apollo 11, I, I really mean that. Like, there's no focus on the training. There's no focus on any prior mission. There's virtually no background given to anything. Uh, the entire movie is a presentation of the events of the flight, the lunar landing, um, rendezvous in lunar orbit, and return to Earth. Uh, there is no narration whatsoever. There is audio, uh, and the voices are mostly provided by the public affair officer from NASA, um, and some astronaut voices and some audio from the mission control um, communications loops is played as well. They do have something very clever where they sync some of the loop audio with mission control footage, uh, sort of a la They Shall Not Grow Old, uh, in a sense, to sort of create a new version of the old film. Um, they uh, only use period uh, film and video and still images. Only what was available at the time is presented here. The Really, the central piece of the film and what makes it all worthwhile is just seeing it all presented uh, as they do on a large format. Um, the film quality ranges from incredibly sharp, crisp, and clear to gritty and grainy. Um, all different formats are used. As I said, there's video, there's film, uh, there's television, there's uh, still images. Everything is sort of mixed throughout. Uh, some of the best footage in the entire in the entire documentary is the rollout um, of the Apollo 11 spacecraft, the Saturn V, when they put it on pad 39A, some film of the launch and the film of the takeoff. I thought it was just incredible. I'd seen it all before, but, uh, you know, obviously not on such a large screen format and in this way. Um, Throughout the, the film, many key personnel are visible at launch, mission control, etc. Uh, with the exception of a few astronauts, uh, none of these people are named. Uh, for example, Fred Hayes and Pete Conrad and Werner Von Braun and Bob Gilreth are all visible, but there is no mention of who they are. Um, LBJ, for example, is seen in the background at the launch, but it's not pointed out. Nixon is seen at splashdown. It's pretty hard not to notice and recognize uh, Nixon. Some of the astronauts are named, for example, Pete Conrad is uh, mentioned. Charlie Duke is mentioned by name and shown. Uh, Bruce McCandless. There's a few people, but again, if you're interested in NASA and you're familiar with a lot of the key players, you will be able to just sort of check off the boxes and recognize tons of people whose names and faces you know just from their presence in the background of the mission control shots. Um, 
Although it's titled Apollo 11, the film does not exclusively use Apollo 11 footage. And I was surprised to catch several shots from other launches and other Apollo missions and flights thrown in occasionally. And again, it's almost all Apollo 11 footage, but it's not exclusively Apollo 11 footage, which I thought was interesting. I read afterwards that they did admit that they did use some material from other flights to fill in gaps in what they had. So I guess that's okay. Um, the Apollo 11 flight profile is, you know, it's fairly complex. It involves the launch, entry into Earth orbit, uh, firing of the uh, S-4B to take them on a translunar injection orbit, transposition and docking, the PTC barbecue roll, uh, entry into uh, lunar orbit uh, with lunar orbit insertion, um, the mechanics of the landing, uh, the mechanics of the ascent stage taking off, rendezvous with uh, the uh, command module and the return to Earth, uh, is all really explained to you, not verbally, but with some very simple cartoon graphics that brought to mind to me very, very strongly the 1979 Atari stand-up vector graphics video game, Lunar Landing, or it's either called Lunar Landing or Lunar Lander. But the, the similarity between the, the graphical representation of the flight profile and that video game was very, very strong. I suspect that this was not a coincidence and the filmmakers were winking at the audience. Um, technically... Nothing here is new in the sense that um, virtually all this footage is available online or from some pay sources, i.e. the Spacecraft Films DVD box sets that you can buy on Amazon. But what's really new in this film uh, is the way that the film and the audio are presented. Um, it's very much cinema verite. You are there. And you're not just there looking back in time. It feels like you're there with them in July of 1969. I think perhaps the best sequence in the whole movie is the landing, which is done simply with a continuous onboard camera film showing the last four minutes of uh, the lunar landing, the so-called power descent to touchdown, with altitude and other information is presented numerically on the bottom left hand of the screen. Um, as we've talked about in a couple of other podcasts, they had computer troubles on the way down. They had 1201 and 1202 program alarms, um, and these are heard over the audio loop and you see a graphical uh, red 1201 and 1202 sort of flashing on the bottom left of the screen. And again, you know, this is not explained to the viewer at all. So if you are familiar with the 1201 and the 1202 program lar alarms and you know what they mean, you can follow it. If you don't know anything about Apollo, it's enough the way they have done it that it is conveyed to you that they had some sort of problems that they had to handle on the way to the surface. And honestly, that's enough. The EVA is uh, extremely well presented in a combination of film, television, uh, video, and still images. Um, I love the fact that they showed the uh, the first step on the moon uh, from the, uh, the film camera that Buzz Aldrin had set up uh, looking down on Neil from above. You can actually very clearly see all, very clearly see Armstrong's face through his visor, so it's nice to see. Um, the EVA is shown sometimes in a split screen where they'll show film and video uh, sort of uh, side by side uh, synchronized, so you see the exact same event filmed by two different cameras. It does sort of give a lie to the notion that all the images on the moon are of Aldrin, which really mostly applies to still footage. There's plenty of 
video and uh, movie footage of Armstrong on the moon, and there's plenty of uh, footage of the two of them together. So it's actually very nice to see that. Um, Interestingly, there is no discussion whatsoever of the stresses between the crew or their difficult personal interactions, which have been written about and discussed extensively for literally decades. On our From the Earth to the Moon podcast, Peter and I have uh, an entire episode about Apollo 11, and we spend a good deal of it talking about the famous difficult interpersonal interactions, mostly between Armstrong and Aldrin. Um, Once they uh, ascend from the lunar surface and dock with the command module, um, the film wraps up very quickly. The return to Earth is presented uh, very abruptly. It's almost as an afterthought. Um, the trip to the moon is long. It's a long chunk of the film. The return to the Earth is just a few minutes. And then the events um, right after Splashdown are interspersed with the credits. Um, so I stayed till the end and I watched uh, to the end of the credits and there's about three or four minutes of additional footage that's interspersed with the credits, but most people left. Um, this is a good year, I think, for documentaries, um, really with Peter Jackson's uh, They Shall Not Grow Old in this. I saw within 48 hours of each other. Um, it's really, really good to see these complex um, historical documentaries out now. Um, I think if you have any interest at all in the space program, you would be well served by seeing Apollo 11. Um, I think that if you have kids who don't know anything about the the moon landing like this is maybe a great starting point for them because the the video and the film is just it's so gripping um the fundamentals of the the flight are presented and every last aspect of the flight the key parts are all shown and somebody who knows nothing about the apollo program could walk out of this movie and have sort of like a good uh fundamental understanding of how we got to the moon and what happened there and how we got back um, it's, um, it's definitely a, a good one. There's really, you know, you can't really criticize it in any way in the sense that it's just a straight documentary, uh, presenting, uh, just incredible footage of humans first voyage to the moon. And there's very little discussion of the larger meaning of the moon landing, uh, aside from a few comments by the astronauts themselves, uh, at the very, very end of the movie. And you're really left to ponder that all on your own, which I certainly uh, have done a zillion times in my life. But again, it was good to do it again in this context. Anyway, uh, that's a quick podcast on um, Todd Douglas Miller's Apollo 11 in theaters now, playing on a very limited basis in my city, which has about a dozen uh, cinemas. It's only playing at one cinema, about two or three shows a day. But if you want it, you can certainly seek it out and find it, and I would recommend doing so. Thanks, guys. Bye.